Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday morning, November the 1st edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kirk Chamberlain, along with our regular Tuesday guest, my good friend and uh, esteemed colleague, I think I can call him a colleague, I don't think he'll mind that, Dr. J.B. Hickson. And uh, we are really thrilled to have him on this morning uh, because I'm excited about it because we get to talk a little bit about, actually we're going to talk a lot about his new book, Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception, Volume 2. If you were, if you're out there listening and you got Volume 1, listen, you ain't read nothing yet, baby. (laughs) Volume 2 is packed, let me tell you. It's packed. you, You can read about secret societies. Uh, if you've never heard of uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderberg and the Bohemian Grove, uh, he talks about that in the book, Global Surveillance of the Police State, uh, the narcissism the narcissism epidemic. Yeah, you wonder, what the heck is that? Oh boy, you don't want to miss this. He covers every possible base in this book, and it's wow. I mean, all I can say is wow. JB, you you have outdone yourself this time, sir. And uh, man, I'm excited to finish this book. Well, uh, Curtis, you are uh, you are way too kind, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, we are uh, excited that it's out and already starting to get uh, some feedback. You know, we did a kind of a soft release a week ago. <clears throat> excuse me, and um, and then it's in full release uh, now, and anybody can get it at uh, notbyworks.org. Uh, or just go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. But yeah, that's a good way to put it. You ain't read nothing yet. I, I like that. Uh, uh, and, uh, it's the truth. I mean, volume one was packed with great information, and uh, a lot of it I was aware of. Uh, you've got some stuff in volume two, however, that, uh, well, it just kind of surprises me even. And I, you know that I've been studying this stuff for years. And uh, I don't know where you came across a lot of this, uh, but I'm sure I know you cross every T and dot every I before you put it in a book. And um, I appreciate that about you. And I know you've verified all of this, but my goodness, what, what, what a, 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 a stew here. I mean, when you put all this together in the pot, buddy, we, we are, we've got, we, we're definitely in the, in the end times, the very last days. It's well, obvious. yeah, but the overarching principle of the whole volume is the great satanic reset, which we've talked yeah. a lot about on your program. And I begin the book with an overview of what that's all about. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, transhumanism yeah. is one of the one of several really troubling chapters. And by that, I mean, you know, it's not for the faint heart. I, I said that in a blurb on the back of the book that you know, this is some heavy stuff, especially a chapter 13, when I get into uh, the spirit of perversion and all that's going on with satanic ritual abuse and Hollywood and uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, and then, of course, uh, chapter 9 and 10 are another heavy little yes. section of the book about yes. paranormal stuff. I have an interview in there with a, a guy that just really will tell, tear your heart out when you hear his story. I've interviewed him several times over the last year and uh, decided to include it in the book. Uh, we don't use his name, but uh, yeah. it's a very detailed account 
of, uh, of his interaction with the Luciferians and especially the demonic element of it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've, as you mentioned, uh, secret societies, but, you know, another heavy chapter is the one on transhumanism. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I've got a, a transcript in that chapter of a guy that worked for Google who interviewed an AI and he became so troubled that the AI he felt had really crossed over and become sentient and become, uh, you know, volitional that he, he blew the whistle and yeah. then uh, Google of course fired him <laughs> for yeah. violating his non-disclosure. And then, uh, and, and so they're saying, Oh, nothing to see here. This is no big deal, but it is a big right. deal. And when you read that interview, that transcript, you will forget, you know, you know, just shortly into reading it, you'll forget you're talking about a computer here and, and, and you'll think right. you're talking to a person. So anyway, yeah, yeah we, uh, we are excited. The book's off to a great start. Um, uh, and we want to encourage people to pick it up and, and, and pick up more than one copy and give it to people. Time is short. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, I've got yes. a, a chapter really in there. Uh, chapter four, the Luciferian timetable and th their agenda and agenda 2030. And when you read that, you'll understand how uh, eagerly and, uh, you know, diligently they, the Luciferians, are trying to roll out the one world system. Mm -hmm. I, I did a conference this weekend. I, I spoke on central bank digital currencies and the coming one world system. That's available, by the way, at notbyworks.org. I, th I think it's still in the first uh, highlight spot on the highlight carousel um, it is. I looked at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's i mean it'll blow you away what's coming down the pike and so uh, yeah. one of the things i love about uh you know both our church at plum creek chapel in sedalia colorado as well as the broader not by works uh, constituency that we've had for you know 23 years now is that they're some of the smartest people in the world and every time i speak on something uh, inevitably i get a few emails or phone calls from people giving me even further insight. And that, that's what happened with this CBDC presentation Sunday. Uh, yesterday, I got an email uh, from uh, a, a Not By Works uh, supporter who said, uh, hey, have you seen this? And it just was even worse than I thought. So uh, so lots going on. We don't want to you know, scare people, Curtis. I know we want to give people uh, hope and, and encouragement, but we do want to wake them up to the reality of yes. you know, what is what is happening and and so uh with your permission i'd love to just start out with some scripture and uh and just kind of get get lay the foundation biblically uh for what we're going to talk about today and then i think we agreed uh that maybe today would be a good day to talk about chapter seven in the book on fake elections yeah it is that time of year isn't it jb it is november uh, midterms everybody's talking about the elections and so i thought i would uh, give you some of that some of that insight uh, yeah they're not only talking about this upcoming election they're still talking about the 2016 election and, yeah. with, and with good reason as you detail in this book yeah yep yeah. 2016 2020 so you know uh i've said often i've reminded people of first thessalonians chapter 5 verse mm -hmm. 6 where the apostle paul in uh, one of his earliest epistles, in fact, uh, the only letter that he wrote before this chronologically was Galatians, but he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Yes. So I really believe in the bottom of my heart that even though a lot of this information is difficult to hear, 
uh, it is a, a, an important part of being awake. Um, so, you know, we're not woke, but we're awake. And that's what believers are supposed right. to be. Let right. us watch and be sober. Let us not sleep. So mm -hmm. we are of the day, Paul goes on to say. Those who sleep, sleep at night and get drunk at night. Uh, many believers, even if they don't drink alcohol, they still are drunk with uh, deception and the mainstream media and, and the uh, normalcy bias. And so uh, we want to uh, wake people up. And a big part of that, I think, is understanding how the Luciferians use <clears throat> the fake elections. And so I thought I would just kind of start with, um, you know, the words of the prophet uh, Hosea, you know, some seven, maybe 800 years before Christ, the nation of Israel was facing its darkest hour in its history up to that point. The people right. had completely forsaken God. The rule of law was basically non-existent. Uh, they were worshiping false gods. Ritualism was rampant, hypocrisy, internal strife. It was really a terrible time uh, for the nation of Israel that ultimately led to the defeat of its capital city, Samaria. And uh, during that time, Hosea, uh, the prophet was an eyewitness uh, to the fall of Samaria, and his prophetic message uh, was born not only out of revelation from God, but his own intense personal passion and life experience. And he pleaded with the Israelites to return to God and to the principles of his word, which was the law at that time, the Old Testament. And he called them uh, to repent and return to the moral standards of righteousness that God's word sets forth. And he said these words, which I think are just as relevant today as they were some 2,700 years ago. He said, quote, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, Christians today suffer from a rampant lack of biblical principled knowledge. It's really an epidemic of ignorance, and, uh, and it's a time of relativism where people no longer have a true north. They right. no longer look at the word of God as the only standard for their beliefs, attitudes, and practices. They're marginalizing the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, in Proverbs 29, uh, we read, where there is no regard for divine truth, the people show no restraint. And, and I think that's what's, uh, what's happening today. And, you know, we're going to get to some of my research and thoughts uh, that I share in chapter seven in a moment. But as I was thinking and uh, preparing for this uh, show, you know, yesterday we touched base and I talked about chapter seven being a good topic because this is November, it's election time, people are thinking about elections. But then even this morning, I was out about early, had several things to do this morning. And as I'm driving and heading back to my office to do this uh, program, it just occurred to me, that when you look at the candidates, really on both sides of the aisle, you know, we, we don't see very many truly uh, principled men or women who are willing to stand alone, willing to stand firm for truth, no matter what the cost. Yep. And, 
I understand you know, some people that are kind of still wrapped up in the left-right paradigm and think that we can, you know, win this battle at the ballot box. That I can hear you, you know, saying to yourself right now, oh, but what about so-and-so? And what about so-and-so? And this candidate's real conservative and he or she is really good. Yeah, there are a few, no question about it, and praise God for them. But most of the time, uh, we, we don't recognize that the candidates that are put forth, let's just say on the Republican side, uh, conservatives, let's say, are, are just handpicked by the controllers, by the powers that be. Mm-hmm. They have oftentimes changed their party affiliation multiple times. I, I talk about, uh, I don't remember if it's in this chapter. Uh, I think it's in chapter uh, uh, chapter. Well, I can't remember what chapter it's in. They all run together, especially now that I've got volume one and volume two. But uh, I believe it's in chapter 11, actually. I talk about even Donald Trump. A lot of people don't realize that since the 1980s, he has flip-flopped on his party affiliation seven times. Absolutely. And that's on record. So yeah. now, again, I'm not picking on Trump, so don't don't send me emails. But I'm just saying people have no idea that you know, this is what's going on. And so often... What you see in the mainstream media is that, you know, Republicans are putting forth these reality TV stars or, you know, famous athletes or people that don't necessarily have uh, solid principles, but they're electable, quote unquote. They're famous. They're people that uh, the Luciferians know uh, the average person will get behind, at least, you know, on that side of the aisle. So I just I want people to understand that this this notion that God only works through Republicans or Democrats, right, left, you know, the typical political system in America is just naive. Um, And, you know, several years ago, I wrote an article uh, uh, called, uh, you know, the evil in the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. And I reiterate this point in volume one of Spirit of the Antichrist in a section entitled uh, the evil of two lessers. but it's the notion that a lot of Christians have that, look, I've only got two options. I have to vote for the guy with the R after his name or the guy or gal with the D after her name, whatever. And so since those are my only options, quote unquote, I'm going to choose the lesser of two evils. And the point that I tried to make in, uh, in volume one and that I reiterate a little bit here in, in volume two is that evil is evil. And God never tells us to pick the least evil pathway. He tells us to stand firm for what's right. Now, I understand there are no perfect people. Absolutely. But uh, can't we do better than, you know, someone who by their own accounts we call evil? You know, we're choosing the lesser of two evils. (laughs) You know, let's at least strive to find someone uh, who stands uh, for moral principles and truth consistently. Again, nobody's perfect, um, but uh, if you go to, in, in God's Word, there's a, there's a fascinating story. Our, our listeners, I know, will be familiar with it from 1 Samuel chapter 16, and it's when Samuel chose uh, David as the king. Do you remember that story? Yes. And so he, he, he comes to, uh, uh, to Bethlehem, uh, and he... And he and elders of the town were trembling, by the way. Uh, are you, what are you here for? They knew he was a prophet of God. And he says, no, I come peaceably. I come to sacrifice to the Lord. And, um, and then he consecrated Jesse, 
David's father and all of his sons, David's brothers, mm-hmm. and he invited them to the sacrifice. And so they start parading, if you remember, Jesse's sons in front of Samuel so that Samuel can select the next king of Israel. Right. And the first son, which was the eldest son that comes across before Samuel is Eliab. And he's strong and mighty and powerful. He fits the part. I mean, this guy, if ever there was a picture-perfect example of a king, a warrior, a national leader, it was Eliab. And right. and, and and so Jesse says, uh, well, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. In other words, surely Eliab is his anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, and this is important, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. That's right. Amen, right? And and then again, this goes on with uh, Abinadab and and, uh, all of his other sons, uh, uh, Shema, and and they just keep coming. and, And Samuel keeps saying, nope, the Lord has not chosen these people. And then they're done. And Samuel says, uh, wait, are, are all of the, the young men here? And, and Jesse kind of goes, well, I mean, I got this, this one youngest son. I mean, he's really, really not much to, not, not worth much. He's out tending the sheep. And, uh, you know, I didn't even bother to bring him in here. And Samuel says, send and bring him. Uh, there's him in there. Yeah. And so he brings in David <laughs> and, and, and the Lord says, to, to Samuel, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Yeah. And so, in other words, God doesn't work through conventional means. No, he does and, not. And I just believe, uh, you know, assuming for the moment that uh, our election system in the United States of America is trustworthy and sacrosanct and reliable, if Christians would vote their conscience instead of falling into the trap of, you know, Coke or Pepsi, Republican or Democrat, mm-hmm. perhaps God could do a miracle. Right. And, but instead, we are under the illusion of choice, thinking that we have to pick candidate A or candidate B, when in reality, as I demonstrate and document in the book, both candidates are controlled. That's and right. this has been true for decades. Um, I don't want anybody just to take my word for it or assume it's true because I say it. I encourage mm-hmm. you to do your own research. I've got 60 pages of bibliographic citations in the book, so you can look up and do your own research. But I make the case in chapter seven mm-hmm. that for many decades now, we have had fake elections, at least at the national level, yep. in the United States of America. And Would you agree with me that it's about at least 60 uh, yeah, I would say really the, the last, um, candidate that was not, uh, installed, uh, you know, unlawfully by mm-hmm. trickery and, and, uh, you know, the fake elections would have mm-hmm. been JFK. Yeah, I, now, I, I agree with that. Now, let me clarify, JFK was elected through election fraud but yes. not at the hands of the Luciferians. Right. So his father was in cahoots with the mob and they made sure that That's he got right. in yep. and, uh, and he was no saint by any means. Um, but 
for, for our purposes and understanding the Luciferian conspiracy, at least as it relates to American politics, he was the last one who was not directly under their control. That's right. And so that gets into why they killed him. And surely by now, any thinking person with, you know, at least a double digit IQ understands that the official narrative of the Warren Commission about a lone gunman in Harvey Harvey Oswald is utterly fake and false. (laughs) Utterly. I mean, I've read, I don't know, 15, 20 books that I've got on my shelf about that very well documented. And um, it's just, it's really no longer a fact and dispute, even though the history books and the mainstream controlled media continue to say that this was just some loan. Yeah, you know, he was, he was killed by the CIA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. You know, a lot of people are going to be surprised that really what we're saying is, you know, some of our most beloved uh, figures as president, uh, for instance, Ronald Reagan, uh, he falls into that category of being under the direct control of of a global elite. No and, doubt. And, and Curtis, you know, well, I love- well, they don't want, they don't want to believe that though, JB. No, they don't. And I love you because you uh, you pull no punches. I was I was not planning to mention Reagan because I'm already giving people plenty. To, you know to hate me about but uh, now that's just one more thing but uh yeah no there's no question that uh you know that, that you know it got easier and easier over the last de- several decades six decades as you say to throw elections especially when we got into the digital age before that it was a little harder but they still did it um, oh, yeah. and i talk about the history of election fraud in chapter seven and i go way back even to the 1800s and talk about the way they would throw elections back then and but right. it got easier and easier as technology advanced and so uh, today as i say in the book you know uh, uh, they can uh, either hire or coerce you know an 18 year old computer whiz kid uh, sitting in a cubicle somewhere under cover of darkness with a few keystrokes to change the entire outcome of an election that's right and, you know i was watching the local news last night here at my house and they were, of course, covering the election, and they were showing all these machines where people cast their ballot, and they stick these little ballots into this digital machine, and it goes, boop, 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 and then it, somehow your vote is magically going to go somewhere out into the cloud, land on somebody's server, and then you just sit back and wait for them to tell you who won. Um, Don't worry, your vote is safe. Yeah, but it's not an election. It's a selection, and you know the analogy that I've tried to use over the years. By the way, I've been talking about this for 10 years or more, uh, going back to my first book on this subject, Great Last Day's Deception, which was came out in 2012. And I was talking about it at conferences before then. But, you know, it, it would be like, let, let's just imagine with, with me, if you will, if our election process, the logistics of it looked like this. Uh, you, you, when it came time to vote, you walk into a small closet. And when you get in there, there's a guy in a dark black trench coat wearing dark sunglasses you don't know who he is you've never met him and the way you're required to vote is by whispering in his ear the candidate that you want elected and then he goes okay i'll take it from here would anybody in their right mind allow a system of voting that looked like that of course not we're not going to just whisper in somebody's ear and hope that our vote gets to the right spot but yet 
That's exactly what is happening with the digital vote tabulation machines. Yes. And, uh, it, it was even worse for a short time because, as I explained in the book, after the 2000 election debacle, which it was controlled also uh, with uh, yes. Bush and Gore, uh, with all the hanging chads and all those problems, they, for a short time, rolled out literally touch screen you know, voting so that not only the votes tabulations were electronic, but so was the voting itself. Right. And, uh, but that didn't last long. There were all kinds of lawsuits and they realized that even the most asleep person is going to wake up and realize how dangerous that is. But what we don't realize is how dangerous the vote tabulation systems are uh, as well, like uh, Dominion, of course, being the biggest one. So here we are two years after the greatest stolen election in history. I cover that briefly in the book and I talk about how uh, there were more you know, empirical, incontrovertible pieces of evidence showing that the 2020 election was stolen than at any other time in history. And yet, time and again, every federal court system, even local court systems, even all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, uh, dismissed it, saying nothing to see here move along. And yeah. that in and of itself should have caused people to absolutely revolt and say, never again, am I going to trust this system? Right. And yet, Curtis, here we are, you know, two years later, and, and people are just once again, blinded into thinking, well, we just got, we got to vote for the conservative, we got to get the midterms, you know, we got to get the conservatives back in power, we got to control the Senate, we got to control the Congress. Well, let me tell you, forget it. You know who controls the Senate? You know who controls uh, the Congress? You know who controls the White House and the Supreme Court? Yeah, it's the not our votes. Yeah, the Luciferians do. Absolutely. So, uh, so now, you know, that begs the question, uh, Curtis. People say, well, are you suggesting we shouldn't vote? Not at uh, all. Here's what I'm suggesting. And I said this, uh, I think, Sunday at a event where I spoke on CBDCs, uh, because I get criticized for this people they 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 hear what they want to hear and they're looking for reasons to hang on to their hope of 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 this uh, normalcy bias that they have and don't realize they have so people misconstrue what i'm saying here's what i'm saying if you you have even the slightest hope that your vote in our traditional system wherever you live actually is legitimate and counts then you absolutely have a moral duty and obligation before the Lord to vote and vote, you know, I think for a biblical candidate. That's why I began the program today by talking about we should vote, you know, for people who share a biblical worldview, yes. not, not people who are, quote, electable and not the lesser of two evils. That's right. So let me repeat that again. If you think your vote counts, if you have even a slightest reason to think it counts, you should vote. Absolutely. However, let's assume for the sake of argument, and you, you don't have to agree with the premise, it's a hypothetical, at least for this, what I'm saying, it's a hypothetical, it's not hypothetical to me, but let's assume for the sake of argument that you have every reason to believe and you have incontrovertible evidence that in fact, with the digital vote tabulation machines, the votes are rigged, or at the very least, they're not free and safe from manipulation. Right. Well, then if that's the case and you know that to be true, why would any sane person go through the motions of voting when they know it's fake? I mean, if you lived in North Korea or Iran, where, by the way, they have open elections, but everybody knows it's completely rigged, would you feel somehow you have a duty to 
pretend and, and play along with the evil uh, purveyors of evil in those societies and just go in for show to pretend like you're part of the process? Of course you wouldn't. You would protest. You would, oh, I hope you would anyway. Um, and you wouldn't play along with the system. And so all I'm saying is do your research. And if you, like I, come to the point where you realize just how uh, terribly corrupt the system is and how easily manipulated and uh, controlled it is, uh, then you've got to, you know, do what's what's smart and you got to come at this another way. So I do believe, uh, Curtis, at, at certain levels, especially local community levels, uh, school boards, um, especially in small towns where they're not tied in on a ballot to the bigger national elections. Uh, I know there are still actually some small municipalities out there that still literally use paper ballots and count them by hand. Sure. Or not. And, and in situations like that, absolutely. Like I said, if you have reason to believe that your vote is, uh, is protected, it's uh, legitimate, it's not going to be manipulated or rigged, then you, you have a moral duty, I think, in a free country, a supposedly free country like ours, to, uh, to, to ha have your voice be heard. But, you know, it's, it, what, what you don't know that hurts you, and I think most people just don't know how corrupt the voting system is in this country. And so you're right, you're right. And, and another thing you mentioned in chapter seven in volume two here of Spirit of the Antichrist uh, is. When you look at, you mentioned a couple of countries, and I think you just mentioned Iran and, and somebody else. You know, we, we automatically assume that, and it's a foregone conclusion, that their elections are not legitimate. They're not rigged. We believe that about them. Why do we have such a hard time believing that about our elections? Well said. I mean, that you could not have said it better. Uh, you know, that's, that's it. That's, that's kind of, I guess you connected the dots that I was trying to connect in my, in my illustration. Uh, and that is most people cognitively understand just how evil North Korea or China or, you know, uh, Iran. Iran or those places are, but for some reason they have a mental block and they just can't let their minds accept the fact that we're that evil in this country. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked about this ad nauseum through the years with, you know, how people are under the mistaken impression that the depravity of man somehow stops at the beltway around Washington, D.C., and uh, D.C. Yeah. insiders and government yeah. leaders are immune uh, to those evils. And so, you know, that's why I, I tried to make that case again in this book in chapter seven. I, I have a section entitled Under Fake Elections, Why Wouldn't They Cheat? Why wouldn't they? <laughs> I mean, when you really understand just how evil uh, this, you know, this, these people are that are really pulling the strings. Yeah. Cheating in an election is like a misdemeanor level. Thing for <laughs> really is. Uh, Honestly, that's true. Yeah. So I want to read, I, I want people to buy the book, so I'm not going to read the book to you, but I do want to read this one uh, paragraph from uh, chapter seven. It says, are we to believe that the elite would commit murders and cover them up? coordinate pedophile rings and engage in satanic ritual abuse, hack the NSA servers, steal billions of dollars and destroy the lives 
of thousands of people through financial Ponzi schemes, conduct false flag operations and start needless wars, experiment on innocent children as if they were lab rats, sanction the legalized killing of unborn children so long as it occurs only in certain geographic regions of the country, execute warrantless searches, surreptitiously read our emails, listen to our phone conversations, track our internet use, lie under oath, and much, much more, and yet not manipulate our elections. I mean, right. when you think about right. it, election, when you think about it, election rigging is rather tame compared to other wicked activities of the elite. So uh, again, if you don't recognize the Luciferian conspiracy, which by the way, in volume one, I lay out the biblical basis for it. We talk about Psalm yeah. 2 and how Satan's been conspiring with human agents and demons for 6,000 years since he got kicked out of heaven to try and take over the world. But if you don't understand how evil that is, then of course you're going to turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to the serious problems with our uh, elections. And I was hoping that in 2020, which by the way, you know, 2020 was clearly rigged. You know, they wanted Trump out and Biden in, but let's not forget, as I state and explain in the book, 2016 was rigged. They oh, yeah. wanted oh, Trump yeah. in there, not Absolutely. Hillary. Absolutely. You know, the day he came down the golden escalator, uh, I, I looked at my wife and said, I don't trust it. Yeah. He, I think he's a Democrat shell. Yeah. Well, you know, he, uh, I, I actually promised in volume one that in volume two, I would address my studied opinion of how Donald Trump fits into this whole big picture. And so I do that. Right. I do that in, I think it's chapter 11. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to be gracious. And I state right up front, look, you know, you may not agree with me about this. And I could very easily be wrong, but here's my studied opinion. So I encourage people to read that. But let me just uh, quickly add that in no way am I suggesting that Donald Trump is a known member of the Luciferian elite. Right. Uh, to my knowledge, he's not. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't their man of the hour in 2016, that they needed in office to roll out the pre-planned control of virus scandemic that I talk about for 50 pages in volume one. And you and I've talked about that at length. Oh yeah. Um, By the way, I appreciate how uh, Christian underground news network back during the the height of the scandemic was out there exposing a lot of the smoking gun evidence that in fact, this was pre-planned and it's never about what it's about. It was definitely a real virus, but it was a bioengineered virus. And the whole point of the virus was to roll out the uh, experimental uh, gene editing bioinjections. And they needed Trump in there to make that happen and get conservatives to go along with it, which most did. Not all. Not all. Did. So, but when they were done with him, when he had, you know, when he had created the vaccine, which it was the Trump vaccine, he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, you know, did Operation Warp Speed. And he's still out there bragging about how, hey, I'm the one that created this vaccine. You know, uh, it was the Trump vaccine, I should say, not virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, anyway, when they were done with him, they they absolutely needed to make certain that there was no way he slipped in. So that's why they, you know, left no doubt. And, and, and well, they spent four strong. years. They spent four years crucifying him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there, there. So there would be no doubt. There'd be no return. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but again, don't just take my word for it. I know if you've never heard any of this stuff before, it may seem implausible. 
or even impossible to believe. Uh, but I, I'm sorry to say it is true that the Luciferians have controlled the United States government for at least, they've controlled the government for at least the last hundred years, uh, oh, yeah. the yeah, the 20th I, I, century. I so, so I make the case in the book that, um, that you know, obviously America was uh, built upon a Christian foundation among Christian settlers who came over uh, before the founding fathers, you know, the Puritans and the Plymouth Rock crowd. And, yeah. and so from its inception, there was a strong biblical undercurrent, uh, yeah. strong um, Christian influence. And so the Luciferians that founded our country, that's why they called it the New World, by the way, it was a beachhead yep. for the New World Order. That's um, right. They vastly underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through Christians in our country. And so very quickly after the founding of our country, uh, from the Luciferian perspective, it kind of got away from them. And uh, for the first you know, 100 years or so, we were uh, really doing more to advance the cause of Christ and create a, an atmosphere for people to worship God and raise their children in the word of God. And not that everybody in America was Christian, they weren't, but they certainly understood a biblical worldview. They understood providence. Uh, when, you know, the circuit riding preachers would, would come to town back in the pioneer days, you know, everybody, whether you're a believer or not, would stop, you know, gather in the town square, and they wanted to listen to what these men of God had to say. So, but it kept getting away from them. And so finally, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, they kind of got together and said, all right, this is it, we've got to retake this for our God, Lucifer, so that we can usher in the one world system. And that's when you get into uh, the Rockefeller, Carnegie Foundations, and others that totally right. re-engineered re Western medicine, uh, education, uh, big oil, big yep. pharma, you name it. And yep. now here we are 120 years later, and they are on the cusp of formally inaugurating the one world system. People have no idea just how close they are. I encourage you to read uh, chapter uh, four on the timetable, where in their own words, they lay out, you know, here's what's coming and when it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't yeah, that's, why, will. that's why you, I mean, you put, you've got some great information here on, uh, on uh, agenda 2030. Uh, th this is stuff coming directly out of the United Nations. Yeah. And the World Economic Forum, which they're kind of basically yes. two, two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. Um, now that, as I've said in the book, it doesn't mean that's going to happen because God is ultimately sovereign and uh, he's the one who controls the times and the seasons. And uh, you know, we read in Psalm 115 verse three, our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. That's and, right. you know, I love reminding Satan of that because Satan is all, is very powerful. He really is. He's got a lot of power and he's ratcheting it up and they're on the one yard line about to punch it in. And, uh -huh. and they really think, especially Klaus Schwab, <laughs> the face, the face of the Luciferian agenda right now, they really think they're going to, going to, uh, you know, usher it in. They're, they're angling in their own words. And I cite the sources in the book and give the quotes. Yeah, to he's the almost a, of America. He's almost the pinnacle of overconfidence right now. Oh, he is. Yeah, they all are, which of course is what pride is all about. And I, and I talk about the spirit of pride in the book. There's a whole section on that, one of the spirits of the Antichrist. And, you know, pride comes before destruction. So Satan is going to be uh, destroyed. There's no question about it. He loses. I like reminding yes. him of that in the very uh, 
preface to the book, the first section, which by the way, if you read the book, read the whole book, <laughs> you know, yes. read the preface, read the introduction, read the dedication, because I, I really, you know, was pretty emotional when I <clears throat> came up with the dedication, you know, this is my 11th book and I've dedicated books to my children, to my grandchildren or grandchild, <clears throat> to my parents, to friends and family, <clears throat> to different people. But this book is dedicated to uh, all those who have suffered or been killed by the Luciferian, you know, uh, agenda and uh, by the Luciferians themselves. Um, yeah. Here's what I say. I just turned to it. For those who have died or endured unspeakable sufferings at the hands of the Luciferians, vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. Deuteronomy 32, 35. So Amen. I just I like reminding Satan of that from the very outset of the book. But you know, I told in the preface. I begin with Revelation eleven fifteen, which says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. So Satan thinks he's going to win, and he for seven years he'll have his Antichrist, uh, uh, you know, blaspheming and ruling and uh, outrageous, tyrannical terror <clears throat> ruling uh, over the satanic kingdom, but it'll be short-lived. Yes, and, uh, the outcome is already uh, already finished. So, yeah, well, I, I just you know, as people go to the polls, uh, if they do, uh, I would just encourage you to remember, it's never about what it's about. There's something yeah. much bigger going on. Election rigging is nothing new, as I state in the book, um, and I give a history of it. And you know, I just I feel like people, you know, if they if they keep on doing the same thing and expecting a different result. That's the definition of lunacy. It is. Uh, it is. Yeah. People woke up in 2020 as they should have. Uh, it's the reason so many people I think are interested in these two books uh, is that, you know, for, I spent 15 years out in the hinterlands, just talking to select groups who would, who would listen. And many times I was disinvited when people would hear what I'm saying about everything from, you know, geoengineering to MK ultra to, you know, all the different topics that we've, that we've talked, Hegelian dialectic, uh, false flags, you name it. Yes. But now, in large part, thanks to 2020, and also because I think we're getting near the end times here, people are waking up. And so now they can't get enough of this stuff. They want to hear it. And I've, I feel like these two books give a comprehensive, well-structured, well-organized overview of the Luciferian conspiracy. And when you uh, look at understand I it yeah. i agree wholeheartedly with that jb you bet yeah. and so if they'll just understand it then it will have implications for everything including including uh you know american politics so um i do give at the end of the book it's a longer book than volume one by the way 15 chapters yes. but i give uh you know some solutions what can we do about this why does all this matter uh, and uh, some of that was restated from volume one because the, the, those principles haven't changed between volume one and volume two. It's the same response, just more information, yeah. new information in volume two. Um, but people need to, you know, really think about, you know, the what ifs, especially with this CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies that I just talked about. And we have a section on that in the book uh, and other 
things with transhumanism, with uh, taking away our freedoms, with tracking, um, you know, uh, our every move uh, mm-hmm. and the whole global full spectrum control grid. You know, Revelation 13 tells us plainly that someday, uh, when, when after the rapture, when the Antichrist takes the helm, all the world will be trackable and will not be able to buy or sell without the government's permission. That's right. And if that's going to happen, and we believe what the Bible says, yes. then there's got to be a mechanism to do that. And and right now, the the clear leading candidate for that, the CBDC, CBDCs, and they've said yeah. that in yeah, their yeah. own words. So um, sure anyway, I, I hope this is, uh, you know, resonating with some of our listeners. Um you know, don't forget the words of 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Right. And it's troubling. It's, it's you know, it can be, it can affect you emotionally and spiritually. But let's not forget, yes. greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen. You know who wins in the end. So that's right. be prepared, be awake, uh, take steps to uh, prepare for what's coming, because uh you know, as I talked about Sunday, the, uh, by the way, all of our videos and podcasts are available for free at notbyworks.org. So if you hear me referencing something I said recently, you can go back and listen or watch it for yourself. But, you know, we, we have a duty as human beings made in the image of God, the highest pinnacle of creation to fight to the last death, you know, to, to fight for our right to live and to serve and to be here for him. God does not want his prized creation, cowering in the face of all this, moving to a mountaintop, selling all our possessions, and hiding right. out in the cave. You know, he, he wants us to fight. Right. And, uh, so I encourage people to do that. Spirit of the Antichrist, the Gathering Cloud of Deception, Volume Two. Get it, get it now. Don't wait. Go to notbyworks.org. You can pick it up there. You can also listen to JB's live stream. Events from his church, Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado, by uh, by live streaming through notbyworks.org. Uh, all of it's great stuff. You don't want to miss it. And JB, thank you so much again for being with us. Today. A shout out to my precious wife, Wendy, for all that she did to help uh, with this book. And um, man, Amen. she's uh, on the front lines with me. And man, we've definitely taken some, some enemy fire and, uh, but God is gracious and God is good. And, uh, we're thankful that, uh, for platforms like yours, that we have uh, a place to get this message out. Well, we, we, uh, we're glad to be in the battle with you, brother. Uh, we're, we're with you completely and we're like you. We want to tell the truth Amen. The truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen. So thank you for being with us again. Thank you for making this book available to us again, JP. And we look forward to being with you again next month. You bet. My pleasure. All right. This is the Christian Underground News Network signing off uh, until this coming Saturday morning uh, when we'll be with Pastor Dick Chamberlain. I'm not going to tell you what he's talking about yet. Uh, he's, he's really uh, busy right now preparing for what's coming up this Saturday. So, be with us Saturday morning and then again Saturday night with Lucas Doremus. So, and we're going to be continuing our study in Second Thessalonians. So, until Saturday, uh, this is the Christian Underground News Network saying God bless you and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you.